Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Contemporary English version of Scripture. I like the way this particular passage reads. While you're looking at it, I just want to say thanks for being here. I'm glad to see all of you. Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, I know that we'll, we will talk a little bit more about that later about our guests, but I am so glad you're here. Uh, last week, you know, I kind of started this little theme on family. I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but I, I talked last week about being Father's Day. I talked about our father. We have a good, good father. And uh, we talked about that today. I want to talk a little bit about his son, but mainly about his son's relationship to us. A, a very amazing thing, and I'm not talking about grace, but the um, a very amazing thing about the son, Jesus, who is a part of the Trinity. He is God, just as the Father, just as the Holy Spirit. But an amazing thing about Jesus, you say, oh, I know what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about his love because his love is so amazing. Yes, his love is amazing, but that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about something I think that I find maybe perhaps even more amazing than his love because it pertains to you and I. Jesus, the scripture said, and the people he makes holy. Who are the people he makes holy? Those who accept him as Lord and Savior, right? We're talking about believers. So Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Now that's quite a statement. That is what I find perhaps more amazing than anything else is that I think his grace is amazing. I think his love is amazing. But the fact that he's not ashamed to call me family is truly amazing. Wow. You get that. I mean, you've heard it probably all your, as long as you've been in church, you've heard it. That as soon as you become a believer and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you become a part of the family of God. So you're like, cool, I got it. I'm part of the family of God. I really want you to let that sink into your spirit for a minute. The creator of the universe is your father. You belong to the very family of God. You're in God's own family. That is something that would make Pentecostals really excited. He said, but we're Pentecostals. I know. I'll try it again in the second service. Come back. We'll get a second shot at that. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever let that really sink in? So the father sent the son. Then the son came to die. And then the son left and sent the Holy Spirit. And then the, son, and then the Holy Spirit stayed on and remains in us. Is here right now with us. Right now. The family of God continues among us. And we are functioning in the family of God at all times. It's not that you have to pray in order to access God. God is everywhere. Praying is not for his benefit, it's for yours. God is in the last breath you took and every breath you will take. You won't take another one if he doesn't give it to you. Because if he doesn't create the oxygen that you so desperately need, you're going to die. But God is everywhere. In everything. At all times. 
When you become a part of the family of God, you are in access to that family. I mean, there's nothing like it. You could think of, of all the families that have you've ever studied in history or all the, the families that are royalty or whatever you think of. Or maybe you think your family is the best and maybe it is. But of all the families that have ever been, there's no family like the family of God. And what's really cool about it, doesn't matter who biologically you were born to, whether you're happy about that or proud about that or not, doesn't make a bit of difference. The minute that you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life and you become one of his children you get to be in his family and the scripture says and this is what blows me away is that someday and i don't know how in the world this can be someday all of those of you who have made him your lord and savior someday you're going to rule and reign with christ i am so humbled by that i I am the last person in the world that deserves to even get to be there But for me to think about the fact that someday Jesus might entrust me with something that is important to his kingdom. That throughout eternity, I'm going to have some kind of a job that matters. I'm going to be doing something that matters to the entire family of God. Because I'm going to be somewhere on the new new earth. I'm going to be somewhere when there's new heavens and new earth. I'm going to be somewhere ruling and reigning with Christ. See, I'm kind of just taking a moment there because I'm really praying that that sinks in. It gets from here right on down into here. Let that go from knowledge to feeling. It's okay to do that. So this passage tells us about how much Jesus loves us. But I want to list for you this this. These things that he is not ashamed of. I want to get your Bible, get your pen, get your bulletin, wherever you're going to write. Take some notes and write this down. Say, Jesus is not ashamed. I'm going to list for you the things that he is not ashamed of according to this passage of Scripture. Not just this verse, but this passage of Scripture. The passage says in verse 11 that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Anybody here got a sibling that you're just not real proud of? Don't point at them. Don't point at them. Deb and I, we love those grandbabies and we love to get to spend time with them. And yesterday... uh, Two of them were there, Sophie and JB, at our house. And those two, Heather's, you know, she's pregnant again, and she's praying for for a mellow one like Mason. Because her two, JB and Sophie, are just not mellow. So every time Heather's around little Mason, you can see it in her eyes, that envy. She sits back and looks at her like, You say to Heather, if you had to do over again, would you have children? Yes, just not the same two. No, she's never said that. She's never said that. (laughs) That is not true. And I love those. I'm telling you, those babies, I love them. They're so much fun. But I'm telling you, when they get together, they find a way to torment one another. They can be so sweet. You know, little JB sitting in the little kiddie pool yesterday and Sophie sitting next to him and 
and she grabs a pail of water, and the, they're trying to acclimate to it because the water's cold, you know, it just came right out of the faucet. So they're sitting in this cold water, and she, so she sings, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, and then she, t- and Jack fell down and broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after, and she takes the bucket and dumps it on her own head, and just goes, and then she's, ah! so this is so much fun, he must enjoy such a thing, so the next time she sings the song, he gets the pail of water, to which he begins to scream, stop it! Stop it! And then she has the audacity to tell me sitting on the couch, Bub's just mean. He just, he always starts stuff with me. He's always picking on me. They love each other though. We have... Siblings, and we're, we we have siblings, and we probably love all of our siblings, but there's some of them that you might not be quite as proud of. I was the I was that kid at school that the teachers would say to my sisters, "Oh yes, we know your brother." Instead of when I got there, they didn't say, "Oh yeah, we know your sisters." I mean, my sisters were great, but. I was the brother that they had to kind of duck their head. Yes, that's yes, that's my brother. Yes, that's my brother. I love the fact about Jesus that he, even after all we've done, he's not ashamed to call us brother and sister. Perfect, sinless Jesus who hangs on a cross and bleeds and dies. For the sins of the world is not ashamed to call you. I'm telling you, some of us, guys, I'm not pointing any fingers, but some of us in this room, some of you in this room, some of me in this room, some of us in this room, we're not too worthy of being called brothers and sisters. Yet the kingdom of God is filled with people who used to be addicts. And prostitutes and cheats and liars and drunkards and even killers because Jesus accepts us. When everybody else said, I'm really kind of ashamed of them, I'm not going to accept them anymore. Some people even said, You know what? I'm, I'm kicking that person out of my family. I'm, not, I'm disowning that son or that daughter. I'm disowning that brother or that sister. They've just gone too far until I just can't abide by it anymore. And we're not claiming them in our family. And Jesus says, I'll take them. Ooh, isn't that neat? You done with them? I'll take them. Well, we can't do anything with them, Jesus. He said, I know, but I can. We can't get them straight. We can't get them to do right. He says, I can. I'll take them. I'll do something with them. He's not ashamed to call his brother, sister, number two. He's not ashamed to worship with us. Look at verse 12. Can you imagine this? Isn't it amazing that this Jesus who, again, the savior of mankind, all through his life on earth, we watch it. And, and through his life on earth, on, on the days of worship, where is he? He's in the temple or the synagogue. And he's worshiping right alongside with everybody else. Who's he worshiping? Himself. He's God. 
really? No, really, he's worshiping his father at that point because he hasn't done his work on the cross, which at that point, when the, when the work's done on the cross, then all the attention is going to go to the Christ, the Messiah, who happens to be named Jesus. When that happens, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to him. And then from then on, the Holy Spirit, we're not even going to know his name because he's going to spend all of his time pointing us to Jesus, who is the only name whereby people may be saved. So the father appoints the son. The son comes down and worships with us. Why does he do that if he's the one that's going to be the, the he, this guy is going to be the focus of our worship? So why is he worshiping with us to the father? Because he's showing us how to worship when he's gone. Pretty cool, huh? So he's not ashamed to leave heaven so he can come down here and teach me and you how to worship him. Wow, that's humility. Number three says in verse 13, he's not ashamed to show us how to trust God. He said right there, look at it, 13. Here I am trusting God with the children he's given me. What's he doing? He's leading us an example again. He is showing us how to trust. And he showed us by example, Marty. It, 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 he, doesn't just, he doesn't just use the words, but then he starts showing by example. He shows us how to trust the Father all the way to the cross night before, if there be any way. Let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, thy will be done. He's saying, I really don't want to do this, but I know we've talked about it. I know it has to happen. I know there's no way around it. If you can think of something, though, Father, here in this human state, I'd really like to make some changes tonight. But if you can't, then I am trusting you, Father, Holy Spirit, to bring me through. I'm trusting you. What a lesson was that to the disciples who are all around him and they're saying, wow, he trusts in God. That'll get you through, John, on the Isle of Patmos. That'll get you through the, the tortures and the beatings. That'll get you through all those hard times because you're like, oh, I remember how Jesus trusted the Father all the way to the cross he trusted him even up until the moment that he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost and died. Jesus wasn't ashamed to show us how to trust God. Verse 14 says, number four, he wasn't ashamed to become one of us. Wow. Took on our nature. Why did he do that? You said we had to so he could be our sacrifice. Yes. He did have to for so he could do that, but he did it also so that he could identify with the struggles and the trials and the hardships that you face in life. So when you say to God, God, you just don't understand, he's like, are you kidding me? I don't understand. I haven't seen you trying to drag a cross With people knocking you down and spitting on you and tripping you and kicking you. I haven't seen. Yeah, I, I saw you late a little bit on the electric bill. I, I saw you a couple of days late on that, but I'm providing. But I, I didn't see you there that day. You weren't Simon helping carry that cross. You just don't understand, God. You don't understand what I'm going through. Really? 
He left all of the glory of heaven so that he could He's sitting on a throne in heaven and the next moment he's lying in a feeding trough. We make it more pleasant by calling it a sweet manger. You ever been on a farm? You ever see where they slop the hogs? Anybody want to go take a nap there after church? I think he understands what it means to work hard all of his life. I hate the picture of the frail, white, sissy Jesus that people put on the crosses that they wear around their necks. The Jesus that I served, he had hands, the hands of a man. Because you don't have sissy hands if you hew out your own lumber as a carpenter. And you don't look like a wimpy, skinny, sickly, puny sissy if you carry that kind of lumber around on your shoulders all of your life until you're 30 years old. This Jesus, when he hung on the cross, was yoked up. He looked like a real man. They don't ever put that one on the cross. Why? Because the real Jesus didn't look like one they could, probably. (laughs) Took enough of them. But but then again, the reason why it wasn't all that difficult is because he said, hang on. Okay, I'm ready. No, he didn't, Pastor. They threw him down and they put the nails in his hands. Yes, but he said... I could have called 10,000 angels at any moment that I wanted to. I could have got up off of that cross and spoke a word and blown up the whole planet. Could have done whatever I wanted to do. But I didn't. He identified with us and the reason he had those muscles and the reason that he had that experience is because he came down and started in in a humble situation and he lived like normal, regular people. He was a hard worker. He didn't go around his whole life wearing white robes and birds flying around, twittering and tweeting and all that kind of stuff. Did he? Till he was 30, he was a hard working man. And then he was still a hard working man because for the next three years, he walked all over Galilee, which is a long, no, no, not about y'all, but they didn't have no Asics or Brooks or nothing back then. There were no Brooks ghosts. I mean, he's in some sandals. And if you've ever been in that part of the country, walking anywhere is not easy. It's up and down and hills. And rocks. And here's Jesus saying, I have a work ethic. I got a lot of ground to cover. You guys get with me. Today we're moving from here to here to here to here to here. We got places we got to go. He identified with us, guys. He understood what it meant to... You say, it was Jesus. No, he understood what it meant to have a cold. Fully God, fully man. He had a cold. He'd have a fever. Well, yeah, but he could just speak and have, get rid of his own fever. I don't, I, I, I don't know that he did that. I see him healing other people. But I have a feeling that Jesus had colds and bumps and bruises. And it, 
when he's a kid, he's fallen and he's having to be bandaged up and same things as us. He was, why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. Why did he do it? Because he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed to be like one of us. Isn't that amazing? And, the, and the, the, the fifth one says he wasn't ashamed to die for us. Verse 15 said, but he also died to rescue all of us who live. I love the way this is worded. Who live each day in fear of dying. Isn't it depressing to hear people say. We know it's true, but it's still depressing to hear it say that from the minute you are born, you spend the rest of your life dying. Ooh. Isn't that a drag? And none of us are looking forward to that, I don't assume. I imagine if we said, hey, we're getting a load up. After lunch today, they're fixing to take a load on to glory. All y'all want to go be here. I bet there'd be less here for the load going up than what's here at church this morning. There'd be a lot of folks that'd be like, you know, I want to go, but I don't know I want to go today. I'm all for going, but I've kind of had in my mind, I'd, I'd go on. I had it, you know, I've kind of down the road. It's a natural thing for us, even though he has taken away the sting of death, to kind of have a fear of dying because it's something we've never done before. Hebrews said it's just appointed unto man once to die. You only do it one time. So it's just kind of a hard thing to prepare for, isn't it? It's a hard thing not to be afraid of. So the scripture said Jesus also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. So then you run across those folks that have been serving the Lord a long time and they're up in years and they're maybe even on their deathbed and you're like, man, they were, they were about to pass away and they were so joyful and they were so excited and they were singing. I don't understand that. I'm, st- I'm just scared to death. I'm telling you, there's something about walking with Jesus and when that time comes, I've seen it over and over, when that time comes, having that peace that passes understanding and that resolve that I'm about ready to go and also to see them the way they look around the room as if there's somebody else there and they speak to people that you don't see and and all this kind of stuff going on and some folks out there saying they're crazy but no, they're not crazy. There's somebody coming to take them home, you know? And there's this excitement about what's going on because Jesus has rescued us who live each day in fear of dying. So we no longer have to die, and we don't have to worry about leaving here. Isn't that cool? And number six, last one, verse 16, 18. He wasn't ashamed to help us. These verses list the way he did it. Three ways that he did it. By serving, sacrificing, and suffering. He, the scripture said, He served as our merciful and faithful high priest, representing us to God, wasn't ashamed to do that. B, he wasn't ashamed to sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of our sins, not even his own, because he didn't have any. Wasn't ashamed to sacrifice himself for your sin. And C, he suffered and was tempted so he could help anyone else who would ever suffer and be tempted after that. What a savior. What a glorious God. Am I right? Who else's God did that for them? Everybody else's God has them 
dying for them or killing for them or sacrificing for them or our God has us living for him abundantly here and then there because he sacrificed so we could. He paid the price so we could. While other gods are demanding rote and ritual incantations and sacrifices and prayers, our God is saying, hey, how about if we just hang around together in what we'll call a personal relationship so we can talk anytime, not just when you bow at certain times in the day, facing a certain direction. We'll just hang around together. I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. Is that getting through? He's not ashamed. And in some of our cases, maybe he should be. But instead, he, he refers to me. He claims me. He's glad for me to be a part of his family. And that's cause for celebration. We should celebrate. I love the little kid's song. Jesus loves me this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Because it's true. It's just straight up true. Jesus really loves me. And he's not ashamed. To call me his brother. And he's not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. We should celebrate like a family today. I hope everybody in this room is able to identify with that claim. I don't want anybody here to leave without making sure that you are a part of that family. Because there's no other family like this one. You don't have to earn your way in it. Some families you got to get jumped into. You want to come to Jesus today, we're not going to get a gauntlet up here and beat the fire out of you trying to get there. Huh? You want to come to Jesus, we're just going to say, hey, welcome to the family. You know what? And it's real simple. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't easy for Jesus, but it's pretty simple for us. I mean, once, once the scripture said that confession is made and we believe in our heart, once that happens, we're in. Once we believe he was who he said he was, and then we repent of all of our sins, that's a catch. A lot of people think they're saved that aren't because they responded emotionally to something and they never repented. How do I know? Because when you truly repent, it means that you will quit doing what you're repenting of. And you will start going in a different direction as a new creation. New creations don't look like the old things they were. So a lot of people that claim to be Christians really aren't. But people who are truly changed by the encounter are the ones who counted the cost and say, I really want to give my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. One hundred percent. I'm dying to myself and I'm going to let him live in me. And bam, you see an immediate change in that person's life. And it's a very simple thing. They just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I want to live for you. 
from this day forward. I'm not my own, but I belong to you. I love praying that prayer with people when they really mean it because it's faith that causes you to be able to accept that. And then I love to, I always do this when I lead somebody to the Lord. I always say, when we pray that prayer, then I always say, I look at them and I say, are you saved? And faith arises in their soul and they'll either say, I don't know. I'll say, then we'll pray again. But if they say, and when they muster up the faith to say, they'll go, they'll be like, they'll look up at me and they'll go, yes. Bam. Before they get the yes out, the smile is there because the spirit has entered and they have been claimed. Then we, by that acceptance, you are saying you're not ashamed either. And since he's not ashamed and you're not ashamed, bam, a union is made right there. And something leaps in your spirit and you know, I am in the family of God. I'm a part of this thing. Cool, huh? Anybody want to do it? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for family. I thank you that you're not ashamed. I thank you for bringing us here. All of us for a reason. All of us to hear this word. For whatever reason, something spoke to every one of us. You've called us here today. The Lord, specifically right now, I pray for those who are sitting here thinking, wow, I want to be in that family. I'm ready to die to myself. I'm ready to give it all up. I'm ready to be in that family. Give them the strength, I pray right now, during this time of prayer, to be able to walk forward unashamed, And pray that simple prayer and have their life completely changed. Today their name will be written in what you call the Lamb's Book of Life. It's roll call for heaven. And someday it will be read aloud when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And what a proud day it will be when we hear our name read. Darren Rogers. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. I'm here, man. I I couldn't wait to get here. I'm here. I'm so fired up to be here. I'm here. Help us right now, I pray, God. I want everybody in this room, if you would pray. Would you pray right now? Pray, man. Pray maybe like you've never prayed before. Because somebody's soul is being weighed in the balance. Somebody's being tugged out by conviction of the Holy Spirit. Somebody is so convicted right now, all they can think of is, I either got to run out of here or run up there. Something's got to happen because I can't keep sitting here like this. Pray for that conviction right now to just be turned up. Not one notch, but several notches. Pray right now for that conviction to just be turned up, for the heat to be turned up, because somebody might be making this decision today. And their life depends on it. Somebody, it might be their last opportunity. This might be the last time the Holy Spirit ever convicts them. This could be the last time He ever beckons to them. They could walk out of here today ignoring this conviction and never feel it again. 
that none be lost. That's why he died. That all could join him in heaven. That's why he is unashamed. He loves you being in the family. Pray, church. Pray. Pray right now. Be praying right now. I want to ask a question to everybody in this room. Everybody's praying, fervently seeking the Lord. Praying, praying for the souls of those individuals that don't know Jesus. And to any person right now that would say, I, I'm not ready, but I got to be. I want to be. I, I can't keep going. I've got to get things right. I've got to make sure that things are right between me and the Lord. If that's you, come up here and join this warrior. That's a real warrior right there. I mean all the way around. That, that, that guy, he's a, he was a warrior before he ever got here. And now... I mean, this guy is fixing to wreak hell on hell. Is that a bad word? Did I just say a bad word? I don't think I did, did I? He's fixing to do it, though. You wait and see. He's fixing to wreak it on it now. Who's going to join him? How many of you men are going to come up here and stand around this brother and pray for him right now? Who's coming? Come on. Who's coming to join? Who else is coming? This young lady's coming right now. She's coming down here. This takes courage. This, is, this takes real courage. This takes courage to step up in front of people. And unashamedly say, I am ready to serve Christ. Who else is coming? We got room right here. We got room for more. We got room for more. Who's coming? Who'll come and stand? Who'll come and stand right here so we can pray for you? Who's coming? I won't stay here very long because I want, to, I want to pray with these guys. But I want to give you this chance. Don't leave this room without having this settled in your spirit. One more time. Neil's going to lead us in a song in just a second. We're going to be praying. But I want to ask you one more time before we pray. I, there's two more people. There's two more. You're saying, holy, you, you're t- telling God. Tell God. I don't want to move. Tell him, tell him to tell me specifically. Speak specifically to a young teenage boy right now. A young teenage man. You may not be ready. You may not be ready. But Jesus is saying he loves you. And he's waiting for you. He says, you are coming back to the parents to know he's coming back. Maybe today, maybe later on, but he's coming back. The young man, you're feeling that conviction in your heart. I'm not threatening you, but I would say to you, don't you don't want to take that for granted. You may not feel that forever. If you're willing to let your spirit, your, your soul, you're willing to let yourself be broken, if you're willing and God wants to do a major work in your life. He has a tremendous plan for your life. If that's you, I, w- I, would, I would call you down and say, here's your spot. Come down here. You got to be ready. I'm not going to manipulate you. You got to be ready or else it won't mean anything. And then there's another. There's still another. And you know who you are. You know who you are, ma'am. And no, we're not going to come and get you. 
That's what you said. You tell God, tell him, come and get me and I'll come. No. You got to walk. You got to walk this by yourself. We'll be here with you, but we're not coming to get you. You got to take this walk. It's going to mean something later on that you did. Come on, ma'am. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. Neil, if you would, lead us. We're going to pray together. I want to pray with these folks.